Hello and welcome back to What Now Jesus after a brief one week hiatus because I was working on things and couldn't record. I'm Father Kyle Schnippel. With me again this week is my friend, your friend, our friend. Father David Dosick here. Hi, Father David. How are you? I'm doing okay today. Enjoying yeah. uh, enjoying the uh, beautiful weather. It's gorgeous and just, I'm just, you know, excited to talk today. So glad to be back. That's it. Yeah. It is a beautiful day. It's warm out. Uh, we had some storms yesterday, um, but uh, no, it's a beautiful day. I, I was at, I, you know, this hardworking priest that I am, I had one mass again this week. And this, or I had one mass this morning. I had mass yesterday. And nice. then, I, you know, the struggle that I had to go to two separate picnics this afternoon. So it was, yeah, the, str- the struggle is real. <laughs> well, it could be because, uh, well, it depends on each priest. I mean, I, I think you and I are pretty social, uh, yeah. creatures. Uh, so we're not too, too opposed to that, but for some guys that we know that are pastors or priests, uh, that that's a big endeavor to do two in one day. That's yeah, back a lot to back. talking to people. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, I got to go home and podcast or I could take a nap. No, I'll do the podcast first. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wake you if... <laughs> if, I, if you see me not off, that's why I'm not off. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so what you been up to? Oh, boy. Well, you know, we continue uh, little things at uh, my parishes. Um, we renovated the rectory, so I've kind of moved back in temporarily and um, finishing up the kitchen and the outside um, so that... Um, whatever or, or whoever the priest is in the future here in this region and with um, other things in the future that, that you have at least one uh, good place for a priest to stay in Preble County. Yeah. So that you have one, one home for that to be possible. I think yeah. that's nice. We had actually last week, last Sunday, we had hoped to record in person because I came out and covered one of your masses. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you for the thank you note, by the way, that was, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, it was nice to see the, how the progress in the rectory, I saw it before and it looks, it looks so much nicer now. Yeah, exactly. So I'm excited for parishioners to be able to see that. Um, I'm enjoying it right now very much. And, but you know, things are in boxes for moving. And so it's yeah. kind of chaos for me and one box at a time, I kind of get on. Unpacked. I'm sure you're uh, the same in some areas. I, right? I understand. Yes, I, I'm unpacked. the The last thing I have to do from the move is I still have to finish thank you notes uh, for gifts that were given to me. And my incentive is that I I I refuse to deposit the checks or cash or use gift cards until I have them all finished. Mm-hmm. That is a uh, as a way of incentivizing me to finish. Uh, finish up the thank you notes and all those things. And I, like so I open, yeah, I open one up, write the note, and then uh, I've got a stack of things right to my, to my right. And I, that's my task for tonight is to finish that. So nice work. Yeah. And then I'm done and I'm moved and I'm here. I don't have to, uh, I've got one more, I've got a wedding this week at, uh, at one of my previous parishes at Corpus Christi this coming Friday, uh, okay. a Friday wedding. Um, and then I'm kind of, that's my last thing back at, at back, my old parishes and I'm diving in here full steam ahead. All right. So, yeah. Speaking of totally available and absolutely here, what do you, what do you think about our gospel this weekend? Huh? <laughs> 
John six, we keep uh, going on, you know. Um, we got five five weeks on them, so this is our second of the five weeks. Yeah, but we get interrupted next week, correct? Because the assumption of Mary trumps she she trumps the bread of life. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> I guess, I, and I said as I told my parishioners, the ones I had mass with this weekend, I said if you if you've never if you've never gone through and just read chapter six front to back, it really is John chapter six. It really is a powerful reading because we get it broken when we, you the beauty of the mass is we get a lot of the scripture, but we always get it broken up. And do we ever just kind of sit back and read it from front to back? And I think that that shows the continuity that we can miss from week to week. So, yeah, I just think, Maybe as we talk about it, you know, um, I remember uh, St. John Paul II, his pope, he wrote about uh, Ecclesia de Eucharistia, which is the churches of the Eucharist. You know, that its life is in the Eucharist. Without the Eucharist, we do not have a church, period. Period. So, and so what is, who is the Eucharist, you know? (laughs) What is this beautiful thing? Which leads us to the question of, you know, when we come to Sunday Mass or we participate in our church or we go to the school that is attached to our church and a ministry of that church, you know, we go and we find our life in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who sends us this Eucharistic bread uh, through the ministry of priests in his church. If you're doing anything other than that, if you're doing something other to get this or that, right, um, yeah. that might be good, and it may lead you to the Eucharist. You know, I've seen I've seen people where you know they go to a sporting event and they go to the basketball game for their fourth or fifth grader, and mass is going on. Yeah, okay. they have a conundrum. They have a question before them. What is it that they're amazed by? Their child playing sports. Or the Son of God, once again, coming to dwell in flesh, in this mm-hmm. Eucharistic species. And quite too often, I think we're not amazed at the Eucharist. We look at it and just say, eh, blah. It's so familiar to us that we forget right. the miracle that happens That's right. every, every right. Sunday, every day on and, the altar. And people are hungering and crying for miracles. You know, sitting yeah. out there and saying... Well, is God real? Is Jesus actually real? Is what he said true or not? Yeah. And then they just go from one mundane thing to the next mundane thing, from a Monday to a Friday. And then they get there on Sunday, and God bless them, they're there. Mm-hmm. Or they're close to being there. Yeah. But what happens in the Eucharistic sacrifice of the Mass and in that beautiful memorial and that gift of nourishment in his in, in the body and blood to receive it in communion. That's just, you know, I think the word that I always think and come back to is Eucharistic amazement. Eucharistic amazement. Yeah. I'm trying to reach for my Bible, which is in my book bag, which is why I disappeared from the screen. Oh, okay. uh, because as you were talking about it, I thought the, one of the lines that struck me for, and, and I included it in my homily for the weekend was from the Feast of the Transfiguration, the, the second letter of St. Peter. We do not follow some cleverly devised myth, but 
I, I'm handing on to you what I saw and what I believe. I know that this is true um, so that I can convey this truth to you, you know, and, and that was part of my homily for the weekend was, you know, when we become aware that this is not a cleverly devised myth that we celebrate, but that this is the truth of who Jesus truth uh, of how Jesus reveals himself to us and gives himself to us for, for food, it changes everything in our life, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So. I mean, you know, most Christians all know the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. And in there it says, give us this day our daily bread. And so yeah. many scripture scholars over the years with the new historical method have criticized that. Even the Bible no longer is connected to this Greek word, which means super usias or Super substantial bread, supernatural bread. It can't just be a loaf of bread. Yeah, It has to be something graced, something blessed, broken and given, right? To associate the previous weeks that we've been listening to the Gospels. Yeah. But it's just like, there it is. Every Christian is a Christian because of that daily bread, the Eucharist. But somehow, by man and woman's explanation, it's no longer retaining the amazement. It's beyond belief. You know, I I almost respect those who simply say, no, that's too hard. I'm not doing that. And they walk away. (laughs) And walk away, which will come up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Yeah, in the gospel. I almost respect them because, yeah, you're right. You're calling me to the fact that this is absolutely crazy what we believe. And we have to trust that this truly is his body, his blood. The thing that really just, you know, pains me or I suffer from is when Christians say, you know, I'm going to stay here because this is my church or I'm going to stay here because I'm involved in the uh, athletics here or my kids in the eighth grade and they got one more year before they're confirmed. That's why I'm staying. Yeah. But what's up there on the altar? All all good reasons. I don't, you know, up on the altar. That really doesn't amaze me. It really doesn't attract yeah. me. I receive it, but I don't get anything out of it. Yeah. And That's the reason we should stay here. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know why they think that or what they don't perhaps. Where's the have. disconnect? Yeah. Where's the At disconnect? For me, I, I can only speak from my experience, which is we grew up in our parishes, you know, Kyle and I, we, we had perpetual adoration. And so yeah. we had the Eucharistic presence exposed in a monstrance at any moment in our in our day besides maybe the weekend a few hours where we could go in and people did for hours at a time you know one hour slots and you could go and pray before jesus and be with jesus and i think how that transformed our parish you know yeah you know i because i think since we started that there's three priests from that parish me and you and Father Jeff Cooper. Mm-hmm. There have been a couple other men who have entered seminary. I know there have been a few young women who have discerned religious life. I think of marriages that are healthy, you and, and thriving. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it doesn't mean the parish is perfect by any means, but no. but I, I see the fruits that have come to our par- our home parish because of that. And so then I, I come to this parish where I am and be like, we have adoration. We have adoration all day on Friday. That's great. Well, let's expand it. Let's make it bigger. 
Well, we don't have enough people for that. Yes, we do. If my if our whole little home parish of a quarter of the size of this parish can do it, yeah, yeah, then then we should be able to do it easily. Especially when there's no other adoration place in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, you have a perpetual adoration place. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in the same vein, there. I mean, it's created in you that hunger, that desire to put put our Lord before the people. Because I don't know about you, but in some ways, you know, becoming a new pastor myself two years ago and just being here in the parishes, I said, Jesus is going to do things on the altar in the Eucharist for people that it'll probably take me 10, 12 years before I even get to know them. He already intimately knows them, has called them by name, and is there to be with them. And, and I'm blessed to be an instrument, as poor as that is, to be there. In that moment, I mean, I remember Father John Ricardo just saying one night he did and did and did and did everything to try to provide an environment for a parish that would just be thriving and excellent and all these programs and tons of meetings and budgets that were just doing fine. And yet he felt like he couldn't do everything. And then he Mm -hmm. went to adoration one night, put our Lord there, and he just stood back and he just received a voice of this is what I want you to do. Bring me to the people. Yeah. And in that hour, things were done. People were healed. Stuff was done that Father Ricardo didn't need to do anything but just put Jesus out and pray for his people and sacrifice his time for them. And just, I remember that story and I was just inspired by it. So that was the first thing I did in my parishes. You know, I can't, I can't do perpetual adoration. We just don't have that many people. Yeah. I, I wonder if we yeah. could or do, and maybe I will do things more, but I got to start somewhere. So I just did um, the first, second, and third Thursday. Um, every Thursday, you know, as, as I end my week and Friday's my day off, well, I'll go to one of the parishes and we'll do Adoration of Blessed Sacrament for mm-hmm. an hour with benediction at the end. And, and I'll hear confessions for all throughout that time period. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's silent. Sometimes it's, has praise and worship along with it. Um, I invite people if they want to pray the rosary, they can, or come closer to Jesus in the sanctuary. They're more than welcome to do that. And we've got kneelers there. Um, but it's something to draw people back to the Eucharistic mystery yeah. of our faith. Because somehow, and that, that was the whole reason of these rites developing outside of mass was kind of, if you will, to, to linger with Jesus a little bit longer, mm-hmm. to just stay with him a little bit longer. Um, when you can no longer receive him, you know, it's like, well, after 15, 20 minutes, Jesus is fully digested. His Eucharistic presence is, is spiritual now. And you can recall that through this holy hour and be in his mm-hmm. very presence, his sacramental presence right now. Yeah. It's starting somewhere. I just think, I just think for parishes and parishioners, anybody listening to really work with your parish priest to see how, how can this be possible? How can we have things outside of mass um, to lead people back to the Eucharist and even the mass itself to lead people back to the mass (laughs) to a worthy reception of Holy communion. Yeah. And and I think of, uh, I'm a little older than you, so I remember adoration starting 
and mm-hmm. I, you were probably just a wee young lad when it was starting. Um, and one of the things that Father O'Connor, who was our pastor at the time, one of the things he said to people came to him and was like, we want to start adoration. He's like, great, 100% behind it. I'm not the fill-in when things call, come in. You need to take ownership of this. Nope. I'll help and I'll and I'll be absolutely 100% supportive and be encouraging of it. But it really was a lay-driven uh, endeavor in our parish. And I think of all the, you know, there were key volunteers that said, I've got this block of time. If someone can't show up, I will be there. You know, yeah. I, I've got this block of time. One person said, I'll take the block of time from midnight to 6 a.m. every day. If someone can't come, I'll be there. Yep. You know, and, and what a dedication that showed not only to the you know, to the parish, but to the Lord. You know, and, and I think that's where those blessings come from in our parish in our home parish, is because people just were like, This we know this is important and we're gonna do it. And you know, and that's and and God bless them, they did it in a beautiful way. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, so it just draws us you know, all those beautiful memories of the Eucharist and love preaching on John chapter six, it only comes yeah. up every three years. Every three so, years. So uh, I remember preaching on this in, in my uh, first couple of years at St. Veronica in, in mm-hmm. Cincinnati, where I was a parochial vicar. So yeah, it was very, and St. John Fisher, but um, yeah, it was just very enjoyable and it's kind of a ballpark home run kind of homily, if you will, at least as a Catholic <laughs> priest, I'm like, it's, it's a layup. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah it should be a layup. This yeah. is it. Like, there's no thing that I really need to do other than, you know, doctrinally or spiritually or give them stories of the Eucharist. Yeah. Um, and then just let let the people go and say, do you, do you believe this? You know, do, yeah. when you come forward to receive the Lord in the Holy Eucharist, do you believe that you're receiving all the gifts of eternal life, all the grace and the strength, the fruits of these sacraments? Um yeah. And if you do, do you ever share it? Mm-hmm. Do you ever share that that witness and that testimony? Because I think that's the other thing that I've come to realize that as a priest, yeah. people expect us to say it. Right. Correct. You, you've staked your life on it. You have to believe that. <laughs> I mean, I do believe it, not yeah. because I because I a because I've staked my life on it, but because I also believe it to be, you know, true. But when the lady talk about their love and their devotion to the blessed sacrament and how that makes a difference in their lives, you know, it can be, you I think how that can speak to their brothers and sisters in Christ in a powerful way, in a way that you and I can't as priests, you've got to say that you're, you're only toting the company line, but when you when someone else says you know no i can't work late tonight because this is my holy hour you're what i go to my church to pray in quiet before the blessed sacrament before my before my god and i fill up and i'm recharged and i i get in contact with the lord of life and that is more important to me than working late tonight or this yeah. social hour or this whatever it is, you know, 
Because I know, like my mom, for many years while she was still working, had 6 p.m. on Thursday, on Tuesday nights. And I know it was a sacrifice for her. A lot of times she'd come home and we'd have dinner prepped. It was kind of a sacrifice for the whole family because we would, we would have dinner prepped. She'd come home from work. We'd eat real quick. She'd leave. We'd do dishes. Um, but yet she always talked about the, those were the nights where that were most productive for her. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think, you know, to bring about, you know, a greater Eucharistic devotion in our parishes or in our families. I think you're right. You got to talk about the Eucharist. Yeah. Like not just like something, but someone, a relationship I, with the Eucharist. I you know? am the living bread that came down from heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And it's flesh. Yeah. It's yeah. flesh and blood. This is my body. This is my blood. So when you receive it, you receive a relationship. Yeah. Um, and how, how are you going to receive that? God is love, you know? So, um, uh, you know, all those things are great to talk about in the family is like, what did you receive today at mass? You know, mm -hmm. or, you know, um, you see family or friends going far away from faith or religion and they can't believe that this is the Eucharist. Yeah. But you can sit there and say, but don't you long for a relationship that goes beyond the grave? Yeah. Don't yeah. you long for some someone to lend a hand or send you a gift that you might be able to be given hope that there's something after this life yeah. or beyond the trial mm -hmm. or strength for the journey. And I sit there and I go, these are all the names we give for the Eucharist. <laughs> yeah. You dog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm just like, your heart desires it and God feels that desire in the most perfect way. In okay. the most humble of ways. So here's a question for you then. Because, yeah, you, you you talk about that to a fallen away Catholic, to someone, that, and they're like, dude, it's just a myth. Yep. You know, so let's, going back to Second Peter 1, it's Second Peter one sixteen. I looked it up. Um, mm -hmm. We do not follow some cleverly devised myth. So how would you, how, how could you a lay Catholic who's on fire for the Lord and they hear, dude, there's just a myth and you're wasting your time. Well, then you engage in the, the right apologetical uh, mood, which is inviting them into a further conversation. So you'd sit there yeah. and say, so what, what, what is the myth that you've heard? Like, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. a tagline, right? That's a tagline of what your family and friends probably say. And other priests might say it too, you know, about certain things or whatever. Unfortunately, thing, right? yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, that's a myth or this. So then you 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 ask the question, right? They're the one accusing. They have to defend what they're proposing, which is that's how I do it. As I sit there and I say, so what about the Eucharist? You know, what what is the myth that you've heard of? And yeah. usually then they identify what it is actually that they think a myth is. And it may or may not be a myth, right? It actually might be a false understanding of a teaching or it has no emotional impact or the mass was just boring, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, you know, yeah. so, so it may not be a quote myth at all. Some formed, um, logical, reasonable, uh, story, you know, but a lot of the times you just bring them back to the history and the tradition. I mean, that's what, that's what I would do. And I'd sit there and say, can you prove, you know, that person who's saying it's a myth, can you prove to me that the story of Jesus Christ is true or not true? 
and bring yeah. them back to John chapter six and sit with them and talk with them and say, now he said this saying, I'm the living bread, the manna come down from heaven. Okay. Let's go back to the old Testament. He's fulfilling that. Mm-hmm. You could even do today's first reading of Elijah, that there's this sacred meal, the bread of angels quote. Yeah. That's in tradition. We call it the bread of angels. So, I would take somebody first asking them great questions of what exactly is the myth they believe. And then if you identify that, try to bring them back to the source. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. requires you and I to know the sources, right? To know, to know where it's found yeah. in history. And it's okay to say, you know, I think it's in the gospel somewhere. <laughs> and then say, Can you know, I could, I, you? could I look that up and I'll get back in touch with you about yeah. where it's at. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. People respect that because most of the time we can't know everything altogether. Yeah. But at the end of the day, my biggest argument with everything in apologetics is it comes to the moment where you can only have so much information. Most people mm-hmm. are not seeking more information. They're seeking the relationship behind it. Which, yeah, when you it's look still- at that quote from Second Peter... That was the second reading for the transfiguration. We do yeah. not follow a cleverly devised myth. He for when we had been eyewitnesses of his glory, mm-hmm. you know, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when that unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory. This is my son, my beloved, who with whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. And we possess the prophetic message that is altogether reliable. And you will do well to be attentive to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So I think what I, I had mass with religious, uh, with uh, religious sisters on Friday. It was the only mass I had because it was my Friday's my day off as well. And just talking about when, when we come to know that this is true in our hearts, you know, that, you know, that conversion process that goes from this is my parents' faith to my faith, mm-hmm. you know, and and so I think when someone comes up and and says, "Well, that's just a myth," no, it's not a myth, and being able to tell the story of when did I come to know that this is true, mm-hmm. and not just this thing, but this person is yeah. true, you know. A, a moment of adoration, a moment of prayer, a moment of, you know, for me, it was uh, the apparition, the supposed apparitions that happened in, in Kentucky, in Cincinnati and Kentucky, Northern Kentucky, mm-hmm. just took all of this thing that was in a book and that I'd been studying and been kind of experiencing. And it just made it as like, this is real. Yeah. This is not a myth. This is real. Yeah. And, and how that changed the course of my life. You know, mm. that's that, those are key moments that help me become a priest today. You yeah. know, so. Like for me, it was a beautiful dream that I had to go to uh, Orvieto, Italy. Um, when I was over there studying in Rome, I took a little train trip. But crazy how I even got there. That's nuts. The train system. <laughs> I, I didn't even know I was on the right train. And then I didn't know where the exit was. <laughs> And I talked. Well, it is Italian trains. You could be on the right train and it'd go somewhere else, anyways. Yeah, I uh, (laughs) I talked in Spanish, Italian, 
<laughs> yeah. And, and luckily we got to Orvieto and there in Orvieto is one of the uh, mir- Eucharistic miracles. Yeah. Uh, it was a corporal uh, where the, the body, the priest doubted the presence of Jesus mm-hmm. in the Eucharist while celebrating mass. So I always tell people if a Eucharistic miracle happens, most likely it's because some dumb priest doubted <laughs> or something happened where Jesus was offended and he needed to make clear to the believers that this is his body and blood. Yeah. Like, and it's like, that's how much God loves. He can't just stand you doubting. He wants to show you it. So they wrapped, they wrapped the bloody um, um, corpus um, right there in the host into a, a corporal, a cloth, linen cloth. And there in Orvieto to this day currently, is is that that corporal with the blood stains and it's reported that um when one of the popes i think urban maybe the third maybe different but i'm trying to think which pope it was but a certain pope asked saint thomas aquinas to write the feast of corpus christi Mm, and all the antiphons all the prayers and the songs of benediction and adoration Tantum ergo, pange lingua gloriosi. You know, all of those were written at a desk in Orvieto. While St. Thomas Aquinas looked upon the Eucharistic Lord and the miracle. Matter of fact, they even got to see the desk reportedly. You know, oh, yeah. that yeah. was kept. Urban the like, fourth. Yeah, oh, Urban the fourth. Okay, yeah. I knew it was an urban. <laughs> I looked it up. I didn't know it off the top of my head. I Thank looked you. it up. Yeah. And forth. But I was just I was just sitting there. I had a chance to see that. And it was just like history coming together, scripture being fulfilled. And then this Eucharistic amazement that because of this one thing and a doubt of faith, like somebody not believing yeah. in the Eucharist. Jesus brings about a greater amazement, not only for that moment, but then Thomas Aquinas and then the universal church. And then that we do Corpus Christi processions. You know, and things like this. It's just like God won't give up. He is given this gift and it's the bread of life forever come down again. Yeah. It's just a beautiful thing to think about how we can increase our Eucharistic amazement and devotion in our hearts, homes, our parishes. There's so many ways, I think, but just the simple ways. You know, I love that churches maybe can be open again just for daily visits. Yeah. Little you know, a little, if you will, uh, break, break time with Jesus, you know, <laughs> just going to break and, and, and go and visit a little bit. Yeah. I've started to open up my churches, um, with all the advancement of technology, you, you know, gosh, you get, you know, blink or Amazon or whatever, you know, you need for a little camera. It, it's doable. Yeah. It's possible. But yeah. I, I think, um, there's a lot of fear there perhaps. Yeah. Our church is open. We have a, a, a here at St. Peter's, the church is open and um, there's an adoration chapel. There's a small chapel okay. off the main entrance where the Lord is present, um, mm-hmm. not exposed in the, in the monstrance, but is present. Sure. And I keep thinking, I keep, I keep feeling the Lord tugging yeah. my heart and be like, there you go. Oh, there's an adoration chapel. So let's yeah. get it going, you know? So, Start for a few days and see yeah. what the people want to do. Yeah. yeah. And and if this if if a parishioner is listening to that and feels called to, to be a part of it, let's talk. You know, uh, so <laughs> That's right. Make it happen. So. Yep.
you got two Botkins guys that are willing to support you. That's right. That, that's I don't right. know what good that's for, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and it did, re, you know, Father O'Connor and then Father Pat came after him. Oh, Father, Father Trick. Trick. And, and then, then Father, yeah, Pat, yeah. Father Pat. And one of the things I remember was they they took an hour every morning. Yeah. 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 And it was like crazy to think that, you know, in those early hours, 3 a.m., 2 a.m., somebody was there. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Those are kind of those hidden, hidden uh, hours you never know. Yeah. No. And I, I had a couple of people that come to me for spiritual direction. There's there's one man in particular. He's like, yeah, my hour is from like 2 to 3 or 3 to 4 on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I work hard all week and it is so hard to get up and get it going there. But it is the best hour of my week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three and three to four in the morning or something like that on a Saturday. It's like, oh, buddy, that's good. I really think for some people, you know, um, maybe they need to revitalize their faith in the Eucharist. You know, obviously go to the scriptures, go to the catechism. But I think reading some of the documents of John Paul II mm-hmm. are beautiful when it comes to the Eucharist. Even yeah. Pope Benedict XVI, uh, Sacramentum Caritatis, you know, Sacrament of Charity. Yeah. Um, these are beautiful documents that our current Holy Fathers have really reflected on. Yeah. Um, even, even I remember in the pandemic, in the height of everything, what did we do as Catholics? We took the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and blessed the world. Yeah. Yeah. The Urbi et Orbi blessing mm-hmm. of Pope Francis. Like, yeah. that's what we do, <laughs> is yeah. we bring the living bread down from heaven and said, Jesus, you got this. Yep. And, and one, I I guess a story that I've heard and I have no idea if it's apocryphal or true or whatever. it's just like, um, Pope John Paul had this great love. You read his writings on the Eucharist because he had this deep, profound love for the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And there was a story that he was notorious about if he, he'd stop in a chapel because he'd feel he'd want to say hi. And they had a, he was in, I want to say it was in New York and they had a, like a chapel kind of closed off and and closed up so that he wouldn't stop. Mm -hmm. And he walked past the door and he stopped and he looked at the door and he looked at like his MC or he looked at some of the people and he's like, and he waves his finger at them and says, you tried to trick me. And his, you know, wit that he had (laughs) and he turned and he's like, I'm going in there because our, I can feel Jesus in there. Mm-hmm. That's how closely connected he was. So. Yeah. And then the schedule went to, yeah, he exactly. went all, <laughs> he's like, I don't care. This is more important. That's right. And it's good to be Holy, king. It's good to be king, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the Holy Father says, that's more important than his schedule. You know, why can't I not do the same? You that's know? a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. What a thing to ponder, I guess, for the week. I think we'll we've been going for a bit. So, any yeah. last thoughts or um, no? None for me this week. I'm good. None, none for you this week. All right. What about you? Um, <laughs> let the Lord surprise you in adoration. You know, it's something where the longer I was in the parish in my previous parish, parishioners would tell that. Father, you you weren't praying this week because my homily was not as good, you know, or whatever it was. And and let the Lord surprise you 
uh, in adoration or in just to, even in stopping in a church to say hi, even if it's just in front of a tabernacle. Let the Lord surprise you by his presence. Mm-hmm. So, amen. Amen. Thanks. All right. All right. Tune again. We'll be back next week. And uh, God bless. Know of our prayers for you, everybody. What Now, Jesus is a podcast produced by Father Kyle Schnippel and Father David Dosek. Any views and ex- opinions expressed are solely our views and opinions and do not reflect those of our diocese, of our church, uh, or anyone else besides those of us who are appearing on the podcast. God bless.